Hey guys, before we get started, this episode of Beer and Other Shit, the podcast is brought to you by High Season Co., a social media agency with over a decade of marketing experience who are crafting the way brands are perceived online. These guys aren't just marketers, they're liquid enthusiasts, craft beer nerds, hip-hop heads, and Gary Vee disciples. So is your social media looking tired? Are you having trouble getting to your customers? High Season can make it happen. Check them out, highseasonco.com. That's highseasonco.com. Now let's drink some beers. Are you a brewhead? I'm a brewhead. Are you a brewhead? I'm a brewhead. Y'all a brewheads? Yeah, we brewheads. So pour a glass of craft beer. We can do this. Yeah. What's good, y'all? This is C-Certified Brewhead, and welcome to episode 156 of Beer and Other Shit, the podcast. This evening, we are at Station Host in Montreal, Quebec. You guys may remember that from uh, episode... I can't remember. Early hundreds. Um, so today, we're doing something very special. We are here with Brewmaster Rudy of Rodenbach Brewery, legendary Rodenbach out of Belgium. Sir, thank you very much for spending time. Yeah, thanks very much for having it. me. Welcome to Canada, first of all. Mm-hmm. We had a uh, nice brunch today yes. at uh, a great restaurant downtown, the uh, Brasserie Henri. That was the one. Um, nice beer pairing, pairing three of your beers that you guys are now bringing into Quebec, which is very exciting. Yeah. It was, it was a, a great pairing. You hadn't tried them uh, beforehand, so this was like... I tried the beers before. You tried not the beers the dishes. once or twice, yeah. <laughs> but not the dishes. And the pairings, you were, you were pretty happy with the pairings. Yeah, I was very surprised what they offered us food, pairing with all beers. This was really, for me... Like, whoa. Wow, wow. Yeah. Really a wow effect. So. It, was, it was a great way. I personally hadn't had uh, any of the beers before, so trying them with the food and then the way you sort of were explaining what the food did to the, to the beers was fascinating and it, gave, it brought them to a whole other... The only thing I can say that is that the, the, the chef cook or chef cook understands very well all beers and he, he tried to, to, to pair a meal together with the beers and that was for me really, really unusual and, um, and surprising. Very cool. I yeah. love it. So what we're going to do, we'll start with the first beer and then we're going to get into how you got into beer. So the first yeah. one, you want to tell us about uh, this bad boy right here? This is our Rodenbach Classic. And it's all about this product, about this beer. This is the origin, the bread and butter of our beer. And I will tell you something more by... Yes, thank you. Yes, look at that. Sharing a beer and also tasting the beer. It's very key. Otherwise, what are we doing? Thank you, sir. Peace. Is this the official glass for all the beers? Like, is this what... That was our oldest glass that we always used for, uh, for drinking these beers. But it's all about... An old method, what we are doing, is a a very old method to preserve beer before the use of hops. Okay. We go back in time. People made only beer in wintertime. Beer of spontaneous fermentation. But also in the summer, they needed some beer. And they tried to make a beer, but such a beer was very short. The shelf life of such a beer was very short. And they must have discovered, by blending a part of old matured beer together with the young beer, just after fermentation... And they could reduce the pH level back to 3.5. That's the pH level of a good white wine. Mm. And with that pH level, you will preserve the beer against spoilage. Right. So this is a method that they are using more than 1,000 years. Wow. And in the years 1000, 1024, they have discovered there was another herb that could preserve also beer very well. That were hops. Right. So hops is a herb that we only used the last 1,000 years 
while we are drinking more than 10,000 years beers. Jeez. So this 10, is really... 10,000, yes. Do you not know my beer history? That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Also wines. They are drinking quite a long time wines, but wine is a way to preserve grapes for spoilage. So they, they fermented the grapes and afterwards they become wine. Right. It's a way to preserve that. Hmm. And beer, it's a way to transform grains into um, an alcoholic drink that will preserve people against infections. Right. So initially it was a, some like a technically medicine. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. This is so clean. But if you taste the beer... <clears throat> and this is a classic, by the way, for people who... This is the classic, yeah. The classic. But this is a very well-balanced beer. Very well. You have some sourness in the product, but some fruitiness, and it dries up in your mouth at the end. Yes. In the smell, you have some green apple. I get that. Some wood flavors, mm -hmm. some caramelized flavors. Dried fruits, maybe? A little bit dried fruit, yes. And in the taste... It flows open in your mouth. You have thin saliva in your mouth. Mm -hmm. It's really, really refreshing. Yeah. And um, and at the end, it dries up. So you can have another sip. Right. So the drinkability of this beer is very high. Right. And what would be the optimal... Like, what was it made for? Was it made for pairing? Was it made for, like, hot days? It was, it was <laughs> made for several reasons. It was made first as a refreshing drink and uh, a slightly sour, well-balanced sour beer is very refreshing, even more than, than another beer, because you have to realize yourself in the past, so in the, in the past they did not have a fridge, so they have to store their beers in cellars, mm -hmm. so they, it has to be drinkable on a cellar temperature. Right. Such a beer is also drinkable on that cellar temperature, while most of the modern Pils beers has to be cooled down minus 4 degrees Celsius before they can be very well drink, right, drinkable. Right, right, right. So that was not only for a refreshing drink to take your thirst away but also for going well together with food because the sourness cleans up every time your palate again mm -hmm. if you pair that beer together with food. Right. Yeah, so and as we learned today I mean this was the first course with like a salad and it was like um, like a creamy... Um, uh, creamy mayonnaise, uh, yeah. cream, uh, like uh, vinegar, it's a, uh, yeah, kind of vinegar, yeah. and it had like the radishes and stuff. Yeah. And I felt like the creaminess, which seemed to be a theme in yeah. the, all the, the food, was pairing really well with it. And it just brought out like a different like mm. brightness in the yeah. beer. It was very very cool. Yeah. I love it. So you, it's only five point two percent, right? The chef cook had had uh, um, proved that this beer can replace the wine. Mm -hmm. Because the pairing was perfect. Yes. And otherwise you will serve there a white wine. Right. 100%. Really, really good beer. I love it. So let's get into your beer story. How did you personally get into beer prior to uh, working at Rodemark? First of all, I have to say I grew up in the neighborhood of Rooslaar. Okay. And my grandmother was drinking Rodemark her whole life. Right. Also, my granduncles were drinking that. So this is really something that is part of our family. Right. And um, as a student, I went to Rooselare, so the city where Rodemach is. That's in Belgium, of course. That's in Belgium. Yep. That's uh, in, in origin the county of Flanders, where this type of beer was very well known. Right. This is a beer of mixed fermentation, and uh, we call it also the Flemish Red, 
yes. Flanders Red. Flanders Red, yes. Um, and, and this beer was well known there, and um, students and young people love to drink that. I so that. I, I, I learned to drink this beer. I knew the beer before, but I learned to drink that with my friends, and, and we grew up with that. Right. Later on, I went to, uh, to Hent, so the university in Hent, um, and there we learned um, to drink even more beer. Eh? As a student. <laughs> as, as you do in university? Yeah. Um, so the evenings and so on. A lot of parties with Rodenbach. Then um, I started my career in a, in, a, in a factory of frozen vegetables, but not for long. After, several, after a few months, I moved into Rodenbach because they needed to purchase. So I started my career as purchaser at Rodenbach. Okay. Purchasing raw materials, molds, hops, all those things. And so I, I, I came into the process. I came into the production process. And in 1984, uh, the apartment above the, the, the offices, the, the reception was free. And I rented that from the brewery. So I lived in the brewery for more than 12 years, together with my wife and children. Wow. So, and during that time, I, I, had, I adapted all the elements. It was, it was coming under my skin. Right. So, and since then, I'm completely infected with this beer. Right. That's pretty cool. Imagine your kids growing up in a bird, literally growing up in a Yeah. Bird. That's a pretty cool story, particularly this bird that has so much history. But I think every brewery, but uh, in our fold, it was a very nice experience. Yeah, that's amazing. So then you moved up from the purchasing into brewing. Yeah. And I guess clearly that led to... So I was the, 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 the head purchaser, the purchasing director in um, 93 but in 93 they were looking for a new production director and I was interested in that job because I'm an origin a production engineer okay. so I would I want to do that also and um, I've um, realized to to do that job for the brewery since 94 no 25 years uh, I'm responsible for for production but also before I was also in the tasting palette, uh, panel and it was always involved into the beer okay. and then uh, I guess you would have been was it sort of just, did you move up the, the ranks like started as a like you were brewing and then it went to like um, the hierarchy there like is yeah it, it is I was in, in 94 the production director so it was so immediately in, yeah. were you actually physically hands on brewing or you were direct like actually managing yeah, the team hands on brewing what will it say in a bigger brewery okay. so you have um, employees who are doing that for you but you have to control them. And uh, because I lived in the brewery, so all the problems who yeah. were at night were came coming, to <laughs> came to me. And, and with that, I've learned a lot of things to, re, to, to solve problems and, and also to discover problems that we can avoid, that we can, um, that we can, um, uh, yeah. That's all right. Lots of languages. Yeah. Like, I guess avoid makes sense. Like how to stop the problem before it happens. Yeah. That's yeah, right. That was right, yeah. that was my job. Right. Uh, buying machines that can replace um, stupid works. Also, those things were my job. Right, right. So, the master brewer thing is fascinating to me because I, I guess it's I we we generally you're the first person outside of uh, North America and Australia that we've spoken yeah. to, which is amazing. So my knowledge in depth, I don't get to talk to people mm -hmm. who do what you do as much. So. Would you better explain the difference between sort of like a, 
a brewer, like a, maybe a lead or a head brewer, and then a master brewer? Like, what differentiates that? Yeah. Okay. Position for those who start into brewing and uh, who made a home brew, and then they made um, a brew in a small brew installation, and so they grow into the job. Okay. In my fall, there was a system. There were people, employees, who made the brews. Okay. For me, it was uh, more more important to understand the philosophy of that brand. Mm-hmm. And I made a lot of studies, and also I went to the university in um, 95, 96 um, um, to have even more um, knowledge about beer production. Right. And um, and early 2000, I went uh, to another school to study more about wine. So I became also world wine master, and I've, I've discovered wine methods that were very compared of that you can compare with what with what we are doing right and it is so you take it up in yourself and and it becomes a kind of ownership mm. and and uh, you will help the the beer and the beer production even further right. and and i feel that as my job so the, the, there's a degree in master brewing technically does that is that what different because i believe uh, yeah. chris was saying that there's three master brewers in in 100 years in yeah. 100 years at yep. the brewery yeah so i mean this is not a light position this is a big a, a bigger thing than perhaps yeah been, i think you've been humble is what i'm saying <laughs> um so like uh, so that you, you're qualified on paper to be a master brewer but there's also the actual work like so the only the only um proof in the pudding is eating the pudding so your consumer yep. is the one who is the judge True. not uh, a beer competition not um, the guy who thinks he knows what brewing is no, right. the, the, the normal consumer is the judge and, and I'm always very interested in what he is saying because he has the right he is right yeah. he knows what he wants to drink he likes it or he don't like it and this is important for us. Right. That's a really good way to describe it. So then, all right, so you, you've been doing the... How long ago did you att- obtain the Master Brewer position or title, would you say? Oh, uh, since uh, since 94, yes. In 94. Okay, yeah. so the actual Master Brewer since, since that since changeover. The, Amazing. Yeah. But also, before I was also in the tasting panel, so I was very involved into the beer and the raw materials and the... Uh, the, 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 the effect of the raw materials in the product. Hmm. So you understood it in a really unique way that kind of really positioned you well for, for this job. Yeah. Okay. What I have to say also is that I was educated by Jacques Lambert. So he succeeded his father. And Leon Lambert was the guy who started after the First World War as an external brew engineer at Rodenbach. So um, I continue their um, knowledge and activities in making the beer as good as possible. Amazing. That's so cool, man. We don't get to speak to breweries who have this much history. I mean, that's a nice segue to the next question was, would you be able to, I know it's probably lengthy, but sort of maybe give us a bit of a rundown on the history of Rodenbach and when it came about and and how it sort of moved over the years? Thanks for that question, because this is part of... of, um, of our secret, not of our secret, but also of, uh, about the, the, the DNA of our product and of our brewery. Okay. What you have to know, there was a brewery on the same place around 1726. 1726. Okay. That called, that was owned by the family David. 
Yeah. That family sold that brewery to the Rodenbach family in 821. Since then, we call it the Rodenbach Brewery. At the from the beginning, it was a malting brewing plant. So they also made their own molds. The Rodenbach family took it over, 1821. 198 so that, years. Uh, that was nearly 200 years. Yes, yeah, 198. That's insane. Yeah, nearly insane. 200 years. And... They made a company for 15 years, okay. between 1821 and uh, 1836. Um, in between, we have had the independence of Belgium, and the okay. Rolba family was very involved in that. Right. And they were uh, also the, the national hymn is, is written by one of the Rodenbachs, really? was in the National Congress. Also, the, the founder, Alexander Rodenbach, because in the beginning it, it calls the company Alexander Rodenbach, was also in the National Parliament. Crazy. And in 1936, there was one brother who took over the shares of his three other brothers, and he go further with that brewery till 1998. In between, we have had two world wars, yes. and during the world, the first world war, nearly all the breweries were stolen from their copper. Mm. But Rodemach had 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 the chance to avoid that, to pay a lot of money to the Germans to keep the copper in uh, in the brewery and also the the wooden vats, and thanks to that, we could start it immediately up. After the First World War. Right, so production stopped during the war. Yeah, okay. uh, but in the Second World War, they have made um, another style of beer that was a zero wheat, but also then they go further and, and they were growing, they were successful, and um, they became a very big brewery and making only sour beers. This is our message, this is really our DNA. We only make sour beers in our brewery. Right. What beers did it be open with like are, are we drinking the same recipes from 200 years ago or not quite take a sip take a sip you've talked about yeah okay <laughs> this is my problem so I keep asking short questions and then the guest doesn't get to drink and then I'm drinking for okay what can I say the key in this product is blending old mature beer with young beer okay I can say we still have the same recipe more than 100 years amazing I guess it's also 200 years because it's, it's evolved over time. Yeah, okay. it's it's, it's um, in the raw materials. We, we use some caramelized molds that gives the red color to the beer. Right. So this beer was in origin, and I have pictures from more than 120 years ago, were also dark beers. So this is not new. Right. You cannot say that Rodemach was a blonde beer in the in the past. No, it was always never a, a reddish dark beer. Okay, always. Always. How many, actually, say even today then, how many products do you have or how many different beers do you make? The whole philosophy of our beers is aging beer on wood and okay. blending that aged beer with young beer. Okay. In the classic Rodenbach, we blend a quarter of old mature beer with three quarters of young beer okay. to realize a pH level of around 3.5. Okay. In the Grand Cru, maybe we have to taste that. We do. We have to taste the Grand Cru. Do you want to do it now? Yeah, I will take some glasses. Oh, thank you, babe. So the Grand Cru, this one is... Uh, That's another blend. Another it's blend. A, it's a blend with more, with more aged beer. And then after, well, I won't talk about detail, but you have the vintage. And then are there other products that are yes, available for, in Belgium? Yes, for, for yeah. every beer. We made also a fruit beer. Oh, yeah? Yeah. But that will come what? later on to that product. Are they, um, is it like a creek or, sorry, like a lambic or a goose or something? Or is it like... Depending. Um, a oh. creek lambic or a creek or a, of a fruit beer. Thank you. 
but now I pour you the, the Grand, Grand Cru. And the Grand Cru has more old mature beer, and you feel it. You will. You can compare it yeah. those two beers. You have much more crispiness. Yeah. It's much more apple fruitiness. It's much more uh, sour in the nose, but also in the taste. Yeah. So this beer goes pairs very well together with food. Mm. With spicy food, yeah. fatty food, but also blue cheese. All those things go so wonderful together with Grand yeah. Cru. So it's really a food beer. Food beer specifically. So this one definitely tastes more, um, definitely more acidic overall. So it's a bit more of a... a That's right. A little bit more crispy. Sadness. And yeah. you, you will taste, you will discover the, the crispiness. Yeah. It's so interesting to describe a, uh, a sour beer as crispy. Oh yeah, but, totally. It's night and day. But both beer, both beers, are bold. I love. What in origin? What in origin? Yeah. The same recipe, only another blend. Oh, in the classic Rollenbach, in the classic Rollenbach, we have um, an average of six month age on wood, okay. while in the Grand Cru we have an average of around sixteen up to eighteen months on wood. Right. And so that makes the beer much more richer, much mm. more powerful, yeah. also much more. Uh, Capacity to um, to pair very spicy foods and fatty food. Right. Okay, that's interesting. I, I wasn't aware that it was pretty much the same recipe, just aged longer, which makes it the Grand Cru. What is the definition of a Grand Cru beer? Because that is a common thing that we see around. Yeah. Grand Cru will say, if you look to the wine, those grapes who are growing at the, at the south side of the hill. So they have yeah. more sun. They have more powerful flavors powerful taste and this is what we try to explain in our Grand Cru right so more powerful more taste right and that's because of the aging that's the only real difference more aging and this is also the same, uh, the same philosophy thing. right that the raw ingredients have more yep. sun and stuff okay I have a question for you my friend Chris shout out to Chris from Hobson Bros uh, he told me that he I told him that uh, I was talking to you tonight yep. and he was like did he mention Fuda number four and I was like not I said the presentation was in French I didn't really understand it but he said apparently Fuda number four is some sort of famous Fuda that you guys have that produces the best beer is that a thing at all? Um, well, we have um, we have a lot of Fooders we have 294 Fooders in total 294. 294. <laughs> so, uh, and, uh, yeah, and with a total capacity, storage capacity of um, 68,000 hectoliters on wood. Wow. So, if you compare that with wine barrels of okay. two hectoliters, that's around 34,000 wine barrels. That is insane. This is incredible. Okay. So, he said, uh, they talk about food number four. I heard us the one food that produces constantly amazing vintages and they still, no that's not a thing this is not uh, I think this is it's not a what myth. I've said yeah, it's a myth it's a myth Debunked. yeah okay no okay, problem good. no problem thank you what I have said that is we still have five fooders who are in the took over of 1836 so and that those fooders are grown the wood of those fooders are grown in the year 1600 1700 that is what I have said so and we still have the food so at the brewery. Good. And how many of those did you say? There was four mm-hmm. of those. There was four of those fooders from that. Five. Oh, we have five. five. Maybe that's what he's thinking of. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. That is crazy. So though. So, I, but this is this is a. 
aging beer on wood will preserve the wood against spoilage. Mm. This is the same if you put your oak in the seawater. The okay. seawater will preserve your oak against spoilage. Right, because of the, I guess, the salt The saltiness, uh, yeah, the salt content. And also, it's beer that will preserve the wood. So there's no rot, no problems, it's still good to go. Yeah, because wow. we use our, our wooden vats as a storage uh, unit, as a storage vat. Okay. And at the same time, because it is wood, we have a culture, a, a wild yeast culture, who is at the inner side of the vats, who will mature the beer during two years, in the way we are making it. Mm, so it's very unique. You've really got yep. the most longest living house strain. Yeah. Arguably. Are you the oldest brewery in Belgium or in Europe or something? Everyone is claiming uh, his origin. <laughs> uh, um, but I can say our brewery is really old. What I've discovered is nearly 300 years, but I'm sure also in 1726, it was a takeover of an existing brewery. Right. Problem is that I cannot prove when that brewery oh, started. Those are for here. Those are for the podcast. Oh, yeah, we use them. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're really clean. Thanks, man. Okay, so they're um, you're one of the oldest breweries. In, uh, I'm one of. We are one of the oldest breweries. Okay. But maybe we are the brewery who won the most awards in history. Yeah. We are starting in 1894, and till this year we won every year some awards. So this is also very unique. That's crazy. Not all the breweries can say that. Right. What's, uh, I, we, I know we were talking about that briefly with Chris earlier at the uh, brunch. Would you better explain sort of the types of awards? I mean, I, they actually say it on the, on the bottles here, some you know, World Beer Awards and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, what are some of the, the, the sort of your personal ones that you're proud of? What sort of awards is, is the beer? Uh, um, yeah, I think the most prestigious are the, those from the World Beer Cup. Yeah, and uh, but also the World Beer Awards are doing well. Uh, the Australian World Beer Awards, also the European Beer Stars. So we we are following a lot of competitions, and I'm every year surprised that we win every year so many prizes. So that this is something that proves that you are doing it in the right way. Right. That also professional beer judges can understand the philosophy of our beer style. Absolutely. It, the thing that struck me today when we were drinking them was just, and even right now, like it just, I, I, you know what, in the beer, the beer journey for somebody is generally you start with the macro lagers and then you move into, generally a lot of people move into Belgian beers or a thing, mm-hmm. and then you go from there, at least in North America. So for, for us, I mean, for you, Belgian beers are just beer, yep. right? <laughs> but like for us, it's kind of the way it works. So I sort of haven't drank a ton of Belgian beers in the last few years because I've sort of, mostly traveling North America doing it so coming back to drinking these today I'm I don't know why I'm not shocked but I'm like my god this is a, it's incredible the balance the complexity the just drinkability of these these types of beers that in my mind I sort of would see that I'm like oh it's a little it's a little sweet a little much but it's, it's none of those things it's just so balanced it's so like uh, balance is thing I, as my opinion is something that you have to find <laughs> in every beer yeah and balance is not only the balance in the taste you have but there's also the balance between the nose and your taste yeah so what you smell you have that to discover it also in the taste mm. if you smell something else of that you can dis- discover and in, uh, in the taste then for me that beer is not longer in balance mm. that's fair that's very fair what is the um capacity the, the, like how much how many uh 
hectoliters or barrels. We we, we can grow a lot. We can grow a lot. We lost some mm. uh, market share in the mm. uh, in the nineties, but that is, we are recovering that, and okay. um, and we are growing again. Also now an export, so nice. we have we have a lot of capacity, but we can do more comparing what we are doing today. Right. So. So it's, it's getting there. We are there to nice. help you. I love it. And um, take your thirst away. Yeah, right? That's what it's doing. So you've been, we were talking earlier at the brunch, and you were saying that uh, you, you were just in Australia like, yep. last week. Yeah. Um, and uh, you've been on a bit of a trip. So, like, how has it been for you, sort of, the travels lately? Like, what's, what have you been up to? Like, you've been sort of giving, giving presentations. And, I will not say travels. It was uh, really um, an, an incredible, nice journey. It was hard. Uh, I did not sleep so, so, yeah, so much, but um, I have seen a lot of people who are into beer, who loves beer, who know some, something about beer. They were coming to my presentations, and I'm very thankful that I have had a chance to do that. Also here in Quebec, uh, I see the same, the same. I have the same feeling that people are coming to my presentations, and I can share my knowledge and my insights. And this is really. Uh, as brewery can only dream of, uh, right. of that. Yeah, it's a pretty cool position to be in yep. to sort of you know be uh, in demand to, to speak across yep. the world. How has it been for you? As one would imagine, that say in Belgium, the types of things you're doing are very you know. Uh, I guess Belgian. You come to North America, it's a, it's a whole different vibe. You go to Australia, it's a different vibe as far as the, the types of beers they're making, that the the palate of the consumer. How has it been for you, like maybe talking with the breweries and uh, the brewers and the owners there, and trying the different beers and stuff? How, how has that experience been for you? Like, well, I can say also here today, um, I've tasted some very well balanced and good made beers. So um, I think it's going well in the in the, in the in the Canadian, also the American, but also in the Australian beer world. Yeah. Um, and they have discovered also to bring more balanced beers and uh, right. and this is I think a very good evolution do you have any favorites like that you would want to mention by name like any breweries or beers that you're like I love that or I love what they're doing or anything you don't have to just curious I'm just curious from someone okay, like yourself I, I understand and you may ask me that uh, for me it's hard to say which uh, other brewery I, I prefer okay. um, I have respect for all brands I have respect for all brewers the That's only fair. advice I can give them is try to make well-balanced beers okay. so that also consumers can enjoy your beer yeah. and not only uh, beer geeks and would-be beer specialists. Right. So do you, are, you, are you essentially saying that you find a lot of the beers are not so balanced, maybe a little too on the crazy side in But general? what I've tasted here, what I've tasted here uh, in the last days mm-hmm. were very well-balanced beers. So. Yeah. Congrats to the Canadian brewers. Uh, I think they are more in balance comparing their um, nephews from the United States. Yes, yes. It's been a uh, Canadian beer was always kind of looked as, like you said, a little brother from America. And and to be honest, America essentially set the trends. And then I've noticed that Australia follows them, and Canada's following. Australia's yeah. a bit behind, yeah. but Canada's following it too. But I think the Canadians have the capacity to. Um, to make to bring more balance in the product, to bring more balance in the beer, right. and I think this is a this is also in in your genes. You are you are a people who is looking more forward. Yes. it is not today only who counts, also tomorrow and the day after. 
So this is what I discovered here, and that this makes me, this makes for me, Canada very attractive. Okay, I like that. And um, I have a lot of respect for the Canadians. They also helped us during the First World War. Yes. You lost a lot of people or, uh, during the First World War in our area, and uh, I have seen the the Canadian mem memorials. So uh, I have so much respect. For Canada, right. That's awesome. I know that um, there's a strong ties from Quebec specifically to Belgium. Mm -hmm. How do you? We were also talking about this at the brunch earlier. How do you feel about breweries that aren't in Belgium making Belgian-style beers? Because you were, you were saying something to me earlier that I understand you're like, be true to yourself, wherever you are, be authentic to, yeah. to who you are and what you believe in and where you're from. So how do you feel about breweries, and not even talking about Quebec or Canada, mm. just anywhere yeah. in the world, yeah. making Belgian beers that aren't in Belgium? Is that cool, or do you think that sort of... Oh, odd? let me be honest. Um, Please. In, 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 the land, in the land of uh, blind people, the one I is king. So what I can say, if I look into the beer history of the last 80, 100 years... Mm -hmm. Um, they started brewing Pils beers after the First World War by the influence of the Germans mm -hmm. and at the beginning it's very hard to make yeah. good Pils beers it is. but they have learned to make the Pils beers much more better and some breweries were doing it even better than the other ones so they took over the other ones and they became bigger and bigger and bigger mm -hmm. and so they, they realized very good well drinkable beers but I will not take the wrong words, but very close to water. Hmm. It, it, yeah. they, they made very watery pills, right. very drinkable, but without character. And then we have had the post-hippie movement who brought more flavor, brought more pepper and salt in the product. Right. And they say, we can make the beers much more better. And they used a lot of hops for making the differentiation. And they made maybe undrinkable beers. So right. also they have discovered again their balance and they're coming much more drinkable than before so it's a whole movement it's always going in, in from one direction and the other one but at the end I can say thanks to the craft movement craft brewers movement we have not no much more flavor and taste in the beer right besides that movement we still there we are making all beers <coughs> nearly and maybe more than 200 years in the same way and we prove that originality, authenticity, and consistency is something that is important in beer industry. Right. And certainly consistency. Consistency, for sure. And I think it's also it's the most important, but it's, I think, one of the hardest things, particularly for newer breweries, to keep that as a... That's what I hear. It's this is normal, because yeah. making a beer is not so difficult. Making a good beer, a very drinkable beer, that's difficult. Yes. And selling a beer is even more difficult. Yes. Because making a beer can can be very uh, yeah, interesting and, and, and can make you happy. But if you are survive, you have to sell the beer. Right. And then the beer must be drinkable. Yeah, <coughs> that's true. When, when you're in Belgium, what sort of stuff do you drink? Do you just drink Rodenbach or do you drink sort of other Belgian beers or do you drink just a, do you like a change because you're drinking Rodenbach all the time? Like what's your palate like? 
or I drink all type of beers. Yep. But um, if I'm working for the brewery, and that is most of the time, I'm drinking my own brands. Of course, that's fair. Um, do you get to sort of travel a lot around and Europe and sort of see what's happening around there, or is it mostly the rest of the world? Well, um, also in Europe. Um, now the, 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 the new owner asked me to help them by export support um, so that they can share my knowledge with uh, people from marketing nice. to make our beers even more attractive and bringing them uh, more to the market and export countries. Right. So that's been a nice change to... This is really... Um, yeah. Um, how can I say that? Uh, it's a kind of promotion because yeah. I've made all the time those beers. I know how, to, how, you, how you have to make it. I have employees who are doing that for us. But at the end, you have to sell the beer. And it's therefore, true. it is not me who will sell it, but I have to support our export managers, export salespeople, export reps, uh, for bringing my knowledge and sharing my knowledge with them for bringing it in the market. Right. That's cool. It's good <coughs> that they've got someone like you to help them though, right? To, to do that, not everybody, not every uh, brewery has I, that. Uh, I, I try to give them inspiration. <clears throat> right. I guess because you got the words, you know, you know, you know this better than anybody uh, around. Words is something, yep. but saying what you are doing and doing what you are saying is the most important thing. And this is what we are. We do what we say, and we say what we are doing. Very true. I like that. Um, when you when you meet with brewers. Are they, are they like picking your brain at all? Because I'm sure like if, if someone's like someone like even like Fred, who's like a, a legend around here, he's been around for, for a decade or more, I think 11 years then, um, very well known. I, I'm sure for him, when, when the guys told us that the, the interview was going to be here, I was like, of course it's going to be here because he's the perfect guy for me. So I figured he would benefit. I'm sure he'd probably ask you questions. Like, is that the relate that how well, it's been for you? Fred is a very smart guy. He yep. makes good beers. So he, yes. had to, he had to do that in his way, not in my way. I have a lot of respect what he is doing. But what I've discovered here in the pub and all the beers that I've tasted from him, well-balanced, that's a guy who understands beer. Yes. That's a beer guy. He, 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 he lives the brand. Yeah. And he is convinced in what he is doing, but he, is also, he knows also very well what he is doing. So... Only one word, respect. Yeah, nice. Like, I figured it'd be a good thing. Particularly dudes in Australia. When you said you're in Australia, I was like, man, that's awesome that the Aussie brewers are now... Because I'm from there and I'm living over here, I'm watching it grow. And it's, I've been uh, seeing a lot more international like people were, were coming over mm -hmm. uh, to talk like the event you were at. So I can imagine for the Australian brewers who are so far physically removed from it, getting to spend some time with you and just mm -hmm. maybe like... I don't know. I'm sure they're not going to ask you details, but just small things. to. But they like, may hey, do that. So they may do that. And yeah. I have no problems with that. It's very cool. If I cannot tell it, but I have to tell, then I don't say a word. But right. I'm, I'm very open and I will help also other people. If I can do it better, I will help them. That's great. <laughs> but the only advice I have for them is be original. Don't imitate anyone else. Right. Make a special beer, make a good beer, make a consistent beer, and um, and certainly be original. This is the most important thing for me. I like that. That's good advice. You want to do the vintage? 
Yes. I like to do that. Yes. Yeah. Um, do you want a couple of glasses? So this one, this is a special one. So this one was brewed specifically for Canada. Thank you, sir. Well, um, what we make, we make every year a vintage. Cheers. And uh, we make several vintage fats. And the best vintage of that year will be, will give the number. Okay. On the label or on the sleeve. And, and last year I was um, I was in Canada and I've had the chance uh, to share my knowledge and to share a beer and there was also a vintage beer with the LCBO in uh, Ontario, mm-hmm. Toronto. Yeah. And they were so in love with the beer. They would Thank you, sir. they would import the beer. Right. But they asked me a favorite and I said, "Can you make us a special one?" The one that is only for the Canadian market. And I said, okay, I will do that. And this is it. And this is it. Okay, and this is a 2016 vintage from Fuda number 201. Yeah, this is special for the Canadian market. And it's a Flanders Red Ale. It is um, 7% ABV. Lot of flavor in the nose. Yes. Wild honey, green apple, caramel. Vinegar, a little bit of vinegar, but also balsamico. Oh, that was the a Spanish little... wine, right? No, balsamico no? is the Italian oh, vinegar. Oh, I see. I'm sorry. But uh, the Oloroso is a uh, is the Spanish sherry wine. So a lot of flavors. You cannot compare it with a wine, but it goes in several directions. Yeah. But this beer pairs very well together with um, very fatty food like. Um, like duck liver yep. or smoked eel or um, heavy smoked um, red salmon. All right. But also grilled meat and blue cheese. This is a wonderful combination. We actually had this with dessert today and it was cream, fruits and like kind of like a bread thing. Yeah, also blueberry. It was also blueberry. Blueberries, raspberries uh, too. But it, there was and, Great. And, um, and um, the raspberry was very sharp so that goes more into the direction of this vintage yeah. but also the cream makes a film in your in your tongue around your tongue and with the beer you cleanse it every time up again so good so there was such a nice feeling we have the beer and we offer the beer as it is and they created the dessert together with the beer I never have tasted such a dessert in combination with our beers which is very cool I think it was uh, very cool for these guys to hear that from you particularly who knows that no one again again a lot of respect for the kitchen of the of the cooks in the kitchen and they made a very well an optimum pairing for me I love it and it was uh, we were talking afterwards as well the, uh, it was interesting to have a beer of this style generally if you go to a beer dinner mm. or something you would pair a a stout or a fruit beer or something with um with dessert. With dessert, but not this. And this has worked so exceptionally so well. This it's is crazy. The, the sommelier in that in that uh, restaurant had made a wonderful job. And he understands also our beers. If if he dare to pair those beers with such a dessert, then he knows his job. He knows pairing. He knows what people expected from him. Yeah. This is uh, yeah, only respect. I love Again. it. Again. It's fantastic. Uh, we have a thing called the lightning round, which is supposed to be quick questions. It never okay. is. We always okay. call it the molasses round. Are you ready yep. for that? I'm ready for it. Right. So the first one 
is what is your guilty pleasure beer? So a beer you might be embarrassed to admit to a beer nerd that you enjoy. Like maybe like, you like a quiet Corona or something? Or? Uh, no Corona. No. <laughs> maybe, no. Maybe a uh, no, no? Uh, some some of those beers are technically very well made. Technically, and and uh, and also a lot of respect of the brewers who are making that, but they are technically perfect. But for me, it's not enough. Uh, my guilty pleasure. Mm. I think I have to go back to my youngest years, and then uh, I drank the first uh, the first time the Rodemach Classic. This yeah. is my all time favorite. That was the one. Sorry. That's okay. Hey, you can you can call your own one. What about the opposite? A beer you would decline under any circumstance. So it's not like a disrespect to the beer, just it's not not for your palate. Like if you go to a party or a barbecue and they go, "Hey, have this," and you're like, "Oh." Okay. Um, I don't fell in love with a beer who is not in balance. Okay. Um, I have some problems with. Uh, Overhop beers, so beers okay. who are too bitter mm-hmm. or too hoppy, okay. that you only have uh, whole hop, fresh popcorns in your mouth, <laughs> or <laughs> beer that is so bitter that you cannot drink it any longer. That is like a canina that you have to take. So don't. These these are not beers for me. Those types. How do you feel about like the New England IPAs? Have you had many of those? Not many, but I have tasted some uh, New England IPAs. What do you think? Some of them. Or more drinkable than the other ones. Yes, that's true. Um, I have no problem with the haziness, but uh, they have to be careful uh, with the amount of hops they will have in the dry hopping. Right. So that once again, back to balance. Back to balance. Back to balance. Well, that's a good episode name. Back to balance. Um, what was your gateway beer? Now, this might not even really be a relevant question for you, but generally some people would grow up drinking macro lagers and then they would have this one beer. Maybe they have a Rodenbach Classic and they're like, whoa, what's this craft beer stuff? Did you have anything like that in Belgium or did you just start straight on the good stuff? Yeah. In Belgium, we have so much good beers. Yeah, right? There's not really many bad ones. And, and uh, I will not say that, but... Uh, <laughs> We have a lot of very good beers, and uh, we we um, yeah we know what good beer good beer is. Okay. And we respect good beers. That so, I think we are uh, we are the lucky ones. You're like, you certainly are. Do you remember one specific beer, your first good beer that you're like, wow, this is amazing? Is there anything that stands out? Well, also then balance is for me important. Yes. There may be some alcohol in the beer. But also that alcohol level must be in balance. Okay. And for me, it can be an ale like Palm, mm-hmm. but even a, ro- a classic Rodenbach. But also some um, double Abbey beers can be very well balanced. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorites, besides our classic Rodenbach, is the West, the West Malop double. Okay. It's, a, yeah, it's a dark double Abbey beer for me. One of one of the the nice most. I mean, Okay. Very well balanced beers, but also a San Bernardus Prior. Yes. I don't look for the highest alcohol beers. I look for those who who are in balance, like Ross for eight. It's for me also a very well balanced beer. Right, old Trappist ones, nice. Man, I haven't had them for so long. I'm gonna give them a crack again. Um, what was your favorite beer style? Like, if you went to a, a store, which one would you sort of? 
style would you go to? Professionally, I will always look to the sour beer side, mm -hmm. uh, what I can find over there, uh, which new ones are there. Um, so the sour beer style is something that is, uh, yeah, something from my own. Yeah. And that can also be fruit beers. And I always, I am always looking into that direction. Right. Sorry. Fruits and sours. Hey man, it's it's quality. And the opposite, a least favorite style. Once again, doesn't mean you you hate it or whatever, but just it'd be like the bottom of your list if you went yeah. to a store and you were like, uh, I don't want that. Once style. again, I, I'm, I'm I don't hate beers. Um, right. Nice. Um, I I love beers. I love beers, and I have a lot of respect for a lot of brewers. Um, I don't like beers who are not longer in balance. Uh, okay. If they are too bitter, like triple IPAs without dry hopping, it's not for me. Gotcha. Or maybe uh, beers who are triple dry hopped without bitterness in the beer, sorry, not, so much. not even in balance. Right. So balance is for me the key word. Right, so out of balance beers would be the, the least favorite. Um, what was your favorite beer city, destination or country? Where do you like to go for beer? Where has that's the, yeah, the favorite place? You've been a lot of places. You're a very traveled man. Yeah, this is uh, this is not so easy. <laughs> but I can say, in Prague, Czech, yeah. Yeah. I tasted some very good beers. But also in, in Munich, yeah. uh, I tasted very well, very good beers because also Weizen beers are beers of my favorite. Yeah. But therefore, I go to 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 Germany to to Munich. Right. That's what you're going for. Um, what was the first beer you ever brewed? Whether it be home brew or uh, professional. Okay, um, professionally was it uh, the Rodenbach Classic. Um, in a home brew, that was the beer that I developed for my son, yep. the Wipers times fourteen. Yep. Nice. Do you still do you still home brew at all? Or not really. Uh, no time. It's a, he has a craft brewery in Ypres. Yeah. So and. Yeah, under what, the it under ramparts. Uh, it's the Casemate Brewery. Nice. And it's um, a very nice brewery, very unique brewery. And we made their beer styles uh, who are, that you cannot compare with any other beer. Very unique. They're in a certain style, but they are unique. And uh, this is also important for every brewer, make a unique beer. Very so cool. a beer that you cannot compare with another one. Did you guide him at all? <coughs> A little? Or did you let him do his thing? No, no. I guided him. I guided like, him. I guided him. <laughs> uh, Tell me you wouldn't. It's, it's, yeah. um, it's also my hobby to create beers. And I made a lot of beers also for other breweries. So uh, beer is a, is, a, is, a, is a part of my life. Right. It's what you do. I love it. Um, do you have a favorite or least favorite style to brew? Like is one more annoying than the other? Or do you love when the brew days for this type of beer? Um, it's, a, it's a difficult question um, again when I'm making a beer I want to find balance back in the in the final product yeah. so that we say on every step in the brewing process you have to take care about <coughs> what will be the result of your beer and if the result has to be balanced then you have to to, to count that back from the beginning so it's it's something that it it, it never let you uh, be doing stupid things, right? Because balance is the key. Balance is key. I love it. Um, 
a weird question. What's the worst beer you ever made? Did you ever brew anything and it came out really bad, whether it was professionally or homebrewing? Um, I can say, I'm working now 38 years at Rodenbach, we never have had one worst beer. Never, never dumped a beer? No. Wow. No, and this is, uh, this is our job because we don't want to lose beer. Of course. We, we, it's money. We, it's money. And if you will survive, then you have to do it in a, in a good way. Um, also, at the, at the Casemate Brewery, we never have had one infection in the production process. Nice. So this is uh, what I can say. Got it down luck. I mean, I guess after 200 years, you'd think you'd uh, know what you're doing by now? They, or they would I, know, I, you know. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> I, the yeah. owner said, you're well paid for doing that. So, And I found it also my duty right. to make good beer. Yes. Not only it. for myself, for the owner of the brewery, and for the consumer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. I love it. Um, do you listen to music when you brew? And if so, what is it? Or you I love more? music. I love music. Yeah. Um, and it, if, if it is... Uh, during the production process I love classic music yeah. music that makes me calm that gives me the possibility to think uh, no rock and roll yeah. no rock just, and roll just classical. and if I do tours in the brewery then I can appreciate some folk music okay. music, folk or country but country more into the direction of folk right. something from the people themselves right Local stuff, like Belgian stuff, or sort of from anywhere? I love also English folk music, uh, Irish folk music, but also American country music. Okay, interesting. Um, What is your favorite hop? Um, I'm not a bitter man. (laughs) You don't seem like it. I'm a happy man. (laughs) But if I have to, to look for a hop, then I go into the direction of Goldings. Okay. That can be Syrian, that can be East Kent Golding, East Well Golding, Cops. Okay. But also Fugel. Yes. And Fugel is the nephew of Savinsky Golding, and Savinsky Golding is the nephew of Styrian Golding. Hmm. I think with Golding, you can realize a lot of flavors in your beers. Interesting. Do you guys say publicly what hops you use in these beers, by the way, or is it not really discussed? Um, this is not but discussed, <laughs> the cool. variety of hops that we are using, but if I talk about the types, maybe, or? The, the types and the varieties, I found a lot of positive elements and, and positive possibilities that you can find in, in, in golding in total. Hmm. Okay. How do you feel about the, the newer varieties of hops, like, you know, Galaxy and uh, Nelson Sauvain and stuff like that? Okay, Nelson Sauvain is a very special hop. I love that hop very much because it brings flavor into the beer. It brings flavor. And it is a hop that is not overpowered by, by bitterness. No. So, but um, what I love, and I talk about beer because you need hops for flavoring your beers I prefer more um, farnesine in the hop oil component than myrcene and okay. myrcene is what you will find back in a lot of American hops um, are they the alpha acids? They, 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 they have much more myrcene comparing with farnesine interesting 
are they the acidic properties? It's like not the acidic. No, it's it's, a, it's, a, it's um, a hop con- component you have in the flavor and in the taste, hmm. but certainly in the flavor, and you can smell it immediately right. if you if you if they have used Simcoe or Amarillo, uh, but even American Cascade, you will discover that immediately in the flavor. So you can tell. Can you pick hops if you drink a beer? You could pick the hops generally, or at least because um, I because can discover the family of the hops, That's and cool. if I have a chance, I can discover also the variety. That's gangster. I like that. Um, what does your family think of what you do? I mean, being that you raise children in a brewery, which is yeah. very cool. Like, how, how do they feel about it all? I mean, I guess it's positive being your son started a brewery too. Well, um, I grew up and then on a farm working 365 days a year so I have a lot of respect of what my father and mother did and uh, also for what people are doing for building up a business I found it part of my job to do that also and to have ownership in what I am doing so ownership is for me also the key in that Um, if there is a problem you don't go home you you solve the problem right and if you cannot solve it you will come back tomorrow morning as early as possible to solve it then right but you don't let it there right always fix and always into your job into the duty of your job right I like that it's a good uh, work ethic to, to, to sort of yeah, okay. and, and also one of my my drivers is that um, first you have to, to prove it yourself before you can ask it from one of your employees one of your colleagues so um, if you have a, a responsible function then also your colleagues must feel that right so it's like lead by example rather than uh, just sort of tell people what to do like they need to see you doing it first well you may say what they have to do <laughs> but you have to know what they have to do you okay. don't may you don't may ask questions that they cannot do gotcha and that is the only key there is you have to do it once yourself right to understand what they have to do for you right. and then you will also have respect for what they are doing for you right I like that and the last lightning round question is what is your favorite adjunct in beer what do you like to add to beer aside from the four main ingredients what do you what was your favorite taste or flavor um, good question. If I talk about an adjunct, depending on what I will reach. Okay. Um, but rice and, and corn okay. are interesting adjuncts because they will dilute your polyphenols and they make your beer much more drinkable okay. uh, on a payable level. But if it is for hiring, uh, higher up your density uh, during cooking, for um, an Abbey beer, then crystal sugar can be also a good adjunct. Okay. No one tells about sugar as an no, adjunct. not really. But it's a kind of bringing in extract in your in your beer, and at the same time you diluted your um, your polyphenols. Right. So and that gives you the chance to bring your beer more in balance. Is that crystal sugar? Is that the Belgian candy sugar? Is that candy? 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 It's a variety of that. It's I see that a lot on um, like like doubles and triples and stuff. Yeah. Interesting. Last weird question: 
how do you feel about lactose in beers, like milk sugar? I, I ask everybody else. Um, lacto is not... Um, La- is lactose, not lactobacillus, as yeah. in milk sugar. As like, you know how they have milkshake IPAs? And they put like, like lactose because it's a non-fermentable sugar, so it gives the body a little bit more creaminess and sweetness? Um, it's an adjunct for me. Okay. It's an adjunct and it brings, uh, besides the, the energy and... Um, and the carbohydrates bring it bring, brings it in the beer mm-hmm. some flavors that can be interesting yep. but at the same time you have to be careful with whatever herbs and spices you will add to the beer so so that they cannot damage um, the philosophy of bringing in those uh, milk sugars right so overall are you for it or against it or sort of like use it right and it's okay um, if you use it in the right way, I have no problems with it. Ah, we have but, a bit of a ju- go. But using it in the right way, and that will say at the end of your production process, you must find balance in the final product. Gotcha. So it still, once again, comes back to balance. I agree with that. Okay, good. Good to hear. Um, so that was the lightning round. So basically then, we've come to about our hour here. So these three beers are now available in Quebec. On, in specialty beer stores so people can get the, uh, the Rodenbach Classic the Grand Cru and the 2016 Vintage uh, made just for Canada but also the Perhaps. 2016 uh, 17 is coming 2017 is coming yeah, to Quebec as well yeah yeah beautiful and that one is what's the, what's the difference between the 2016 and 17 is it uh, subtle is it you have to discover that in the bottle you gotta find out perfect for and the, you have uh, to do a vertical then uh, you can prove it ooh is it easy to get the older ones like um, I think there are still some other I'm some sure older ones, around. and yeah. and uh, if once the new ones are there, then you can do a vertical for of two years, but maybe also of three years. I don't know. That'd be have you? I assume you've done that before. I've did verticals for five years five? in the vintage. This is really really, really nice. interesting. Do you have? So I notice a lot of breweries have like a library of their old beers. So, so do I. I would assume, do you have some, or you personally or Rodenbach have some sort of ridiculous 200 year old library? All the things I'm doing is for the Rodenbach brewery. Yep. So nothing nothing is from my own. Oh, it's all from brewery. Uh, okay, cool, cool. So if I, if I store some beers for many years, then it is for the brewery. And to discover with our consumers and those who are really interested in it, to discover those, uh, those flavor changement or flavor. Yeah, like over time. evolution. Yeah. yeah. What's the oldest one either you have or you've tried? Um, the oldest Rodemach beer I have in the brewery dated from 1967, Jeez. and I've tried it. You, what do you think? How was that one? It was still drinkable. Yeah. It was not the same as it is now. Okay. But it's normal because yeah, it's a beer process, is right? it's a beer is 70 years old or 70, <laughs> uh, sorry, 50 or 52 years old. Yeah. I think. I can. I don't know other drinks who are still drinkable after 50 years. Not too many. What is the optimal? That's what I was thinking today. What is the optimal aging time or like for any of these? I mean, clearly drink them now. But yeah, depending yeah. on what you what you will um, discover in the product. Okay. Um, aging our beers will say that you will bring other flavors, that you will bring more Madeira, more Porto flavors in the beer. Okay. Some people love that. Right. I'm not looking for that. Okay. But 
they're right. They may they may look that, and mm. they may they may have it also from me. Right. So I'm not against that. But at my opinion, and this is not only for all beers, it's for all beers. Beer is a is a product, is a liquid that you have to drink relatively fresh. Right. Fresh is always better. Fresh is normally better, but some beers can survive the history very well. And right. Rodemach is one of them. Perfect. I love it. Rudy, that was uh, pretty much everything today. Sir, thank you so much for hanging out. I really it was appreciate a pleasure. your time for this presentation yes man thank you for uh, spending your time with us I really appreciate it I don't know if you know where can you find Rodenbach online I don't know if that's uh, is it it's an old I think website. the Omni the website um, right. okay the Belgian website so Tiff will put that up on the screen yep. here and it's at at Rodenbach Bio and there's Rodenbach Bio underscore NA for North America Boom. Great. So uh, thank you, Rudy. Guys, if you enjoyed the episode, mate, smash the thumbs up. Hit subscribe below. Hit the notification bell so you know when the new drops. Follow us on social media at BOS Podcast. And check out the long-form audio so you can hear extremely intelligent gentlemen like Uncle Rudy right here talk about craft beer. That is it, guys. Thank you for watching and listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Cheers. 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 To the unexpected. Yes, sir. <laughs>